All right, welcome to a Tuesday edition of Locked On Warriors, the only podcast bringing you Warriors coverage every day, Monday through Friday. I'm Wes Goldberg, and on today's show, Jordan Poole goes off for 30 points in the Warriors' first preseason game of the season, and then Andrew Wiggins makes his first public comments after getting vaccinated, and then I'll be joined by Bleacher Report's Sean Hyken to discuss the Warriors' outlook this season and what we think about Klay Thompson's return and how it could impact a potential playoff run. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, here with Locked On Warriors, Jordan Poole scored 30 points last night, uh, starting at shooting guard in the Warriors' first preseason game of the season. The Warriors beat Portland in Portland. Uh, But to me, before we talk about Jordan Poole, 69 three-point attempts in that game. I mean, just a bananas volume of three-pointers. They took 100 shots. 69 of them were threes. 69% of their shots were threes. Steve Kerr talked about it after the game. It came in the flow of the offense. I doesn't expect that to really be what that the 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 degree to which the Warriors are shooting threes this season. But that just to me was an insane amount. And that, by the way, across the board in the nine preseason games from Monday night, uh, more than 600 three-pointers taken across nine games. We are going to see the bounds of three-point shooting stretched even more. That was my main takeaway from other than the Jordan Poole stuff from the Warriors game. But my main takeaway too, just from the night of NBA action in general, I discussed that a little bit more with David Ramil on Locked On NBA. As always, make we, we thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day, whether it is for uh, um, on video, on YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. Make your second listen of the day, uh, Locked On NBA, every day, Monday through Friday, covering the biggest storylines across this league. Um, but we got to talk about Jordan Poole. 30 points last night on an efficient shooting night. Um, to me, the, mo- the most impressive thing with him was just how comfortable... Uh, he looked getting to his spots on the floor. And that's something we saw um, happening quite a bit last year. But last year, it was a lot more up and down, right? Like there would be nights where Jordan Poole was scoring 20 plus and just looked comfortable getting to the rim. Uh, We would write a lot about how and talk a lot on this program about how, you know, he got bigger, stronger. He was more comfortable getting to the basket, lowering his shoulder, getting into the ri- into the paint and, and, and up near the rim, um, working on all those moves. But like last night also, I mean, let's remember a couple years ago, the Warriors drafted Jordan Poole thinking that he was a three-point specialist, even though the numbers didn't really bear that out in college or high school. But I mean, last night he was a three-point specialist. Seven of 13 from three-point range, a team high, uh, 13 three-point attempts on a team that shot 69 threes in the game. Again, just an insane amount of three-pointers. But um, also had five assists in the game, which was um, tied with Steph Curry in that starting lineup. The only guy who had more assists was Nemanja Bielica, who had six, who did some work in that post area, and then obviously out on the perimeter with handoffs and stuff like that and kind of racked up some cheaper assists that way. But you love to see Jordan Poole doing that. Three for three from the foul line. So getting to the foul line, um, also good getting a steal, a couple of blocks, but again, just looked so comfortable out there. And it just feels like, it, it feels like Jordan Poole took a leap last year, but then would also take steps back because he would have 20-point nights and then he would have nights where he would kind of, you know, he'd go one for seven, right? And not get that much playing time. But, you know, Steve Kerr is really confident in Jordan Poole. 
talks a lot about how he put up, he put the most work in for the second straight season that over the last couple of years, he's been the most consistent worker on the roster. You love to hear that from a young player. And he feels really comfortable starting Jordan Poole. And, you know, if you've been listening to this program, I didn't love the idea of starting Jordan Poole in that starting five. Um, I thought, you know, just let him own that sixth-man role so that when Clay comes back, he doesn't have to make an adjustment halfway through the season. Just have a fill-in guy like Damian Lee or Avery Bradley or something like that uh, start at the two-spot and then just make it easier. But, you know, Steve Kerr asked about why he started Jordan Poole. Basically said he's one of our five best players, and I'm going to start the five best players that we have. And you can't really argue with that logic either. And if he could be a a, a scorer next to Steph and uh, a hand, a ball handler next to Draymond and take a little bit off of Wiggins' plate and let Wiggins basically just exist off the ball where he's best, Kevon Looney obviously doesn't need the ball. Like, maybe there is enough basketball to go around there. And maybe it does sort of force Jordan Poole to be more selective with his shooting. Because we saw last year when he made quick decisions and he was more selective. He was way more efficient and way more productive, too. Um, so maybe that's the right move. Uh, at least for now, as long as he plays like this, there's no reason to take him out of that starting lineup. Again, he played 22 minutes. Steph played 20 minutes. Draymond played 14. So you, Wiggins had 16 minutes. Kevon Looney played 15 minutes. So he didn't get a long uh, leash for that starting lineup. So maybe it looks a little bit different. Um, you were able to stagger Jordan Poole a little bit more. You are able to take Steph Curry out early and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, ultimately the Warriors got the 121 to 107 win over Portland. And I know it's just preseason, but um, impressive. Though I would like to see them dial back the threes, like just crossing half court and launching. Um, not ideal to me, but I also don't think we're going to see that low. I don't. I don't know what the reason was necessarily. Maybe it was just the energy. Maybe it was just hey, let's just let's everybody launch three pointers. Let's see who makes them, and and we're testing that part. I don't know. Maybe it was the the forty point third quarter that they had, forty to twenty five in that third quarter that kind of blew the game open. I don't know what the reason was, but I I I, I would be shocked if they. I mean, that would break the league record by mile, like light years. It would break the, I, I just don't expect that to happen. All right. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Andrew Wiggins uh, coming up. This is, this is a storyline that's starting to go away, but he did make his first public comments uh, after getting vaccinated and, and about getting vaccinated last night after the game in Portland. I'll talk to Bleacher Report's Sean Hyken, who is in Portland for the game, about it coming up next. But first, let's talk about direct TV stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There is no annual contract. Great for the cord cutters, right? So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together. With DirecTV Stream, you can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Let's also hear from Shopify. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this po- this podcast started selling started out selling 
uh, well, no advertising, and then advertising for uh, basically just the kind of automa- the auto inserts and stuff like that. And today, we're selling things like Shopify, DirecTV Stream. Uh, we're having McDonald's ads, uh, obviously, uh, Built Bar and things like that, Bet Online, And we're not stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Like mine, Shopify powers over 1.7 million businesses from first sale to full scale. Uh, Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Gain insights as as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA right now. Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. Sean Hyken is here now. He lives in Portland, covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. And Sean, you were at the game last night and uh, there for Andrew Andrew Wiggins and his first public comments since getting the vaccine. What did he say and what did you find interesting from his post-game press conference? Well, I think the thing that shocked me, Wes, was that he talked as much as he did about it because Mm -hmm. I remember the stuff coming out of media day last week was just, you know, he said, I'm going to fight for my beliefs. Then someone asked him what his beliefs were. And he said, that's none of your business. It seemed like he just really didn't want to talk about it at all, but he addressed it for like 10 minutes, went through all of his concerns with the vaccine. Now was a lot of it nonsense that doesn't check out logically. Yes, but he, he talked about it at length. So I was a little bit surprised by that. Now, as far as what he actually said, I mean, it was a whole lot of the, like, I felt like I was bullied into getting it because uh, he didn't say this part, but basically because he was going to lose half his salary for not getting it because he couldn't play in home games. And the league just announced that uh, players who don't uh, get the vaccine and can't play in home games aren't going to get paid. So I'm sure that factored into it, but he basically said he felt like he was forced into it and he's worried about the long-term effects of the vaccine. He said a a couple of different times, he said that he doesn't know if it causes cancer, which there's no evidence to suggest that it does for the record. And he said that he's worried it was going to mess with his genes and mess with his, uh, you know, his like DNA. It was, it was just a whole, it was a lot of just kind of the standard issue sort of misinformation. He He didn't even make it sound like it was like a deeply held religious belief. It was, I think a lot of it sounded like it was just sort of the kind of medical misinformation that you get on YouTube or social media or what have you. It seemed like that's a lot of what it was, but he did talk about it at length. So I guess I give him credit for that. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time he actually said why he was reluctant to get it. Right. And you mentioned some of the the misinformation that's been out there. Clearly he applied for that religious exemption because there wasn't an exemption uh, qualified for, I just don't really understand this thing. I just did my own research that the, the do your own research exemption. Right. I, I don't think that, that's really in the CBA. That's the part that was, and I, I wonder what, and you know, this is maybe something we should have followed up on at the press conference, but uh, 
him applying for a religious exemption, like I would be interested to know like what, what, you know, whether, I mean, obviously his religious beliefs are his own business, but uh, I would have been interested to know kind of what case he was trying to make there. Right. Not a strong one since it got denied. <laughs> Clearly. Well, I think the NBA was going to deny anybody's religious exemption. Cause I yeah. think, I think they're trying to, uh, you know, as, as the Twitter meme goes, tell you, you have to get the vaccine without telling you, you have to get the vaccine. Mm-hmm if you will right. like it seems like they're really trying to like they they can't actually mandate the vaccine because they have would have to collectively bargain with the players union for that and it's obvious that the players union is was just never going to go for that under any circumstances right but they're what they're trying to do and i clearly it worked at least in one case with wiggins they're making your life as inconvenient as possible if you don't have it which it, you know, he's, he would have to lose all this money. And then he also, when they were on the road, he wouldn't be able to sit with his teammates when they travel and they, he'd have to sit in a different part of the locker room and he wouldn't really be able to do anything on the road and interact with people. I mean, I think there are going to be some guys who have been holding out from getting the vaccine for what one reason or another, and it's just going to become such a hassle, their day-to-day lives. that eventually, even if they don't want to, they're going to break down and get it. And I mean, the great thing about the vaccine is, whatever your attitude about it, if you get it, even if you were forced to get it and you didn't want to get it, you still got it, which means you're still protected. So in the, in the long term, I think this is going to be good. Right. And Andrew Wiggins had questions about the long-term efficacy of getting the vaccine. If it's going to mess with his, like you said, mess with his DNA and things like that. And look, I, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I think he was, I think he might've, I think what he was saying with what he was kind of hinting at there is like, I think he's worried about his, you know, reproductive abilities that's kind of and you can understand where he's coming from with that too i i suppose you know with the the back the black population in this country and its history with vaccines and and things like that and and you know things that the government did is really effed up and you could see why somebody in andrew wiggins's position what struck me is interesting and look i'm not defending it i I could just see where he's coming from and that's that's your initial skepticism but then you go like you said the, well, let me do my own research. Okay, well, actually do the research then and look and find out that, hey, 700,000 people have died. A lot of people are taking this vaccine and getting better and staying better and staying healthy. And just because you're an NBA player, you know, you have, you're a human being and you're going to have a very similar reaction to a lot of people who are taking this vaccine, which like you said, no evidence to, 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 to show that it's dangerous for you, right? This isn't a controlled kind of micro experiment right uh, this is a this is a, a mass wave of, of vaccination that is happening at a crawling pace at this point and, but and, and needs to happen but the the thing that struck me was his comment saying well i guess if you want to work in this country you're not in charge of your own body that to me is very interesting for a few reasons and i talked about this um on yesterday's show but just the the, the that natural inclination and that initial skepticism that a professional athlete may have at somebody else telling them what to do with their body when they have worked on their body and they rely on their body for their day-to-day work and for their paycheck, that part I, I do understand. The part I don't understand is, okay, now get to that next level of it. But I do understand that initial skepticism of like and, and, and frustration saying, well, I guess I'm just forced to do this stuff or not work. And that's kind of it. I mean, that is, there is still a, a, a they're saying there's no freedom here, but that is the, the, there is a sliver of freedom in that, hey, you could just not play in the NBA anymore if that's going to be an issue. 
And I, I understand that these people are public figures and they help they they hold press conferences at the every at the end of every workday. But there are a lot of businesses that require vaccination to re-enter, you know, their buildings and to to in order for to work for their companies. We just you know accountants don't have press conferences at the end of their workday at five o'clock. So um, I had to be vaccinated to even be in the building last night. That's I mean right every I mean I've done a few in-person NBA media things. Uh, you know, whether it be summer league in Vegas over the summer or, you know, they, we've been going to practices at the Blazers practice facility. I was obviously at the game last night. I had to send the league and the Blazers a copy of my vaccination card, which I had no issue with doing because I got the vaccine back in March as soon as I had the opportunity to get it. So I had no issue showing the proof to it. But like everybody else pretty much has to get this in order to and I'm sure there are people in any profession that don't want to get it for one reason or another and yeah you know and maybe quitting sorry, their jobs is is you gotta do stuff you don't want to do sometimes it's 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 that's yeah. just kind of the reality of it and i guess i think with this particular i think early on i would understand where somebody was coming from when it came to like normally it takes five to ten years for one of these vaccines to come out and be approved and they got it approved in nine months i don't agree with that but i could Early on, I could understand where somebody would maybe be coming from with something like that. Mm -hmm. But at this point, like the thing has been out for almost a year. There's all of the data is showing that if you get the vaccine, you might still get COVID, but you won't die from it or probably even go to the hospital from it. You're going to have just, you know, be sick for a couple of days and be fine. Whereas if you're not vaccinated, you're really, you know, you, you, you could just be screwed in terms of like, you could go to the hospital, you could die. And then also just the effects. I mean, and that's the thing that I, I have a problem with, with people, even like people who I think are some of the more smart and thoughtful players in the NBA guys like LeBron James and Draymond Green, who are talking about, it's a personal choice. We need to not judge anybody for, you know, not doing the same thing as us. I don't, I mean, I'm not the first person to say this. I'm not the, you know, this isn't like a novel insight, but can, when you consider that hospitals all over the country are having to turn away people with other kinds of illnesses that need attention because their ICUs are just filled up with COVID patients and most of the COVID patients who are sick enough to go to the hospital are not vaccinated. At a certain point, it kind of stops being a personal choice. Yeah, I mean, that's the nature of a pandemic. If something is highly infectious, um, it's not just you living in your own little vacuum. Everybody is in this together, for better or worse. And that's what always struck me as interesting about this is it, how how incredibly selfish that stance is um, to not get the vaccine because it does hurt your team. And in Andrew Wiggins' case, I mean, he there was the potential for him to miss half the season, not be able to play in home games. I mean, that would have tanked the Warriors season for an, a completely different reason than the reasons that they haven't been good the last two years, right? Those were just natural injuries. Steph Curry's broken hand, Clay Thompson's two season end, uh, ending injuries. This would have been complete. This would have been something avoidable, but nonetheless would have been, would have taken them out of title contention, not having Andrew Wiggins. They just don't have a small forward uh, who is capable of starting each and every night um, outside of w Andrew Wiggins. So um, he did get the vaccine. Uh, I did find it interesting that he talked so much about it. Um, at least we know where he was coming from at this point. I mean, that's at least a better, to me, I would rather hear that than it's a personal choice and it's nobody else's business. Like that to me was just unacceptable. Right. Um, at least explain your reasoning, even if your right. reasoning is mostly nonsense. Right. 
Exactly. And there's this idea that it's personal and nobody else's business is completely wrong. I mean, you're a public figure who gets paid, whose salary is paid by fans and tickets and they want to see you. They want to see a good team. I just, I think, you know, your ankle injury is on the injury report and none of the players quote HIPAA uh, inaccurately, by the way, uh, when, <laughs> that, when talking about their ankle between, injuries. Like, that exchange between Dwight and Bill Oram where Dwight said something about HIPAA and Bill Oram from The Athletic was like, well, that's not what HIPAA means, but okay. Right. It's great. I'm, I'm glad somebody said it. I mean, it's just, I'm getting really annoyed with some of this stuff and I'm getting kind of annoyed with, with Brooklyn too, for a whole other reasons. I just don't, not to call out our, our fellow media members, but I think that there could be a holding feet to the fire a little bit more in, in Brooklyn than is happening right now. It kind of just feels like they just do whatever they want and they do, they do do whatever the they want. Thing but, that I uh, wish I, the thing I wish I'd been able to follow up on, I mean, you know how these press conferences are. There's always, you know, there's a million people asking million questions. People, Sometimes yeah. you don't have time to, get in the question you want to get in and also like this has happening in real time and i was like processing what he was saying in real time and not really think you know it's preseason for reporters too so i was yeah. just like not really thinking on my feet as much as maybe in retrospect i would have the thing i would have liked to follow up with him on and i the thing that i you know i am hopeful that maybe i mean he probably doesn't want to talk about this anymore but the thing that i think somebody in the warriors media should follow up with him on is one thing he said last night was uh, that his entire family isn't vaccinated and that's not something that they believe in. I want to know, is he just talking about the COVID vaccine that they don't believe right. in? Or do they like not have the polio or smallpox or shingles or any of these other ones that literally everybody has to get when they're kids so that they can go to school? Like, do his kids not have the required shots that you have to get to go to most schools i'm pretty sure in order to get into the country from canada he had to get certain shots in order to get his work visa mm -hmm. i'm sure he had to get certain shots to be able to go to school at the university of kansas which is a yep. major university that i don't think is going to just like say oh no you don't have like the smallpox vaccine you're you're good you're fine like so i well, don't i just don't know like a I'm, lot I'm of that just sure doesn't he... really add up I'm pretty sure he spends a large portion of his off seasons in West Virginia and anything goes in West Virginia. You could just do whatever you want. So maybe that's why he spends a lot of, a lot of time there. Um, all right. I got one more question about this and then I wanted to get some bigger warriors stuff. We're going to talk about that uh, after the break. Let's hear from our friends at bet online. We're back at better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. With an updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. It's bet online where the game starts. All right, back here with Locked On Warriors. I'm here with Sean Hyken, who covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. One last question on this, because you mentioned maybe a follow-up there, but um, I do wonder now that Andrew Wiggins got his vaccination, um, is going to be available for these home games at Chase Center in San Francisco now. I know that, you know, there's still the Kyrie Irving issue. I'm not, I'm not completely up to date on what's going on with Brad Beal in Washington, but um, it doesn't matter as much because he can play in, the, in, in home games. I, 
I, I just wonder locally for the Warriors and the, and and I guess then nationally, since Wiggins is one of the main players here that was affected by this, does this go away now as a storyline nationally? I think it probably will go away. I don't know if it necessarily should. And I also, I mean, I also think the fact that Kyrie Irving is still, I mean, I don't know if you just saw this, but literally as we were recording, Sham tweeted that uh, Kyrie Irving is not at, Nets oh, practice today in Brooklyn, which would indicate that he still has not gotten the vaccine. So here's my Kyrie Irving opinion, and sorry to cut you off here, but it would be the most Kyrie Irving thing possible to have actually gotten the vaccine and then pretend like he didn't get it just to make some noise about it, right? Just to be, just to make a scene. Just to get out of doing media day and just to, uh, like- <laughs> And or get just out like of playing to- home games. He'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm just- uh, because his brand is actually more important than anything else, I think, for him. Uh, well, the other thing that yeah, the, the way that you would spin that if you were him was to say, like, I was doing it as a commentary on media and it was actually a piece of performance <laughs> right. art. And if you do that, I think he would like a lot. A lot of the people on Twitter who are just kind of conditioned to think that everything Kyrie Irving does is like misunderstood genius. A lot of that, if he did that, I think a lot of those same people would go right back to being like, yeah, go off King, expose the, expose the right. media machine. Like I, I, but the Trump, I, the Trump thing, the, 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 the parallels there are just, they make me very uncomfortable. I'm not going to touch that. I, I have a, I have a rule. I don't, I don't talk about Kyrie Irving in public context just because okay. there's no, there's no, uh, well, let's, let's, there's let's no upside to doing it, but yes, I'm, I'm not calling Kyrie interested. Irving Trump. I'm just talking about like the people who are supporting him versus the same way that they support the people who support. Him. Anyway. Um, all right. Let's talk about more fun stuff. Let's just talk about basketball because sure. Monday night was the first real night of, of preseason basketball. I don't count the Brooklyn Nets Lakers like backup inner squad scrimmage thingy. Um, right. The nine games, 18 teams, a lot of fun. I think there was 600 plus threes taken on Monday night. The Warriors accounted for 69 of those threes last night in Portland. Yeah. 69% of their shots were three pointers. That is a bananas amount. Steve Kerr after the game said that they probably won't take that many each game. Um, but that they came in the flow of the offense. My thing is, I watched that game. I saw the flow of the offense. The flow of the offense was get it cross half court, launch a three. So if that's the flow of your <laughs> offense, then yeah, I guess they came in the flow of the offense. I'm not critiquing it. I'm very interested in it, but I'm also wondering, like, are we get? Is this not to kind of bring up this old sports radio talking bit? But I'm starting to get to the point of is this too many? Is this even good offense now? I mean, I guess the math would say yes, but I don't know. I, it didn't seem, it didn't look to me like like really great offense last night. Granted, it was the first preseason game. Well, the thing that Steve Kerr did bring up post game is that they haven't had forwards like Otto Porter and Nemanja Bialica, who are high volume outside shooters, in a while. So I think that's sort of the difference in personnel for what the warriors have now versus yeah maybe what they had in years past i don't expect them to jack up that many three because i i think it was uh slater that tweeted uh last night they never shot more than 54 threes in a game last year mm-hmm. which in itself is an insane amount of threes to take right. that's like close to some of the records that like some of those houston teams under d'antoni or you know some of those warriors teams when they had durant and steph and clay like 
that's kind of the range of those. I mean, I guess I guess the thing to to, to keep in mind is that this is a preseason game, and literally none of this matters. But but you would, is, like, I, continuity matters. Like trying to figure if you're the Warriors, you haven't made, made the playoffs in two years. Like trying to figure out what your offense is. I get. Look, I understand that they haven't had floor spacing fours and fives like Otto Porter and 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 Bielitsia. They accounted for ten three pointers between the two of them, which is a significant amount for two bench players. But I mean, Jonathan Kaminga taking three threes, Andre Iguodala taking three threes. Draymond was knocking a Dray- couple of them down. Draymond went one for two. Uh, Michael Mulder, I guess that's he took six, but in twelve minutes. I mean, he's a three point specialist, but that's a, that's a three pointer every two minutes. Uh, Langston Galloway had three in nine minutes. I, Avery Bradley took six in fifteen minutes. Juan Descano Anderson went over five from three point range. He's usually pretty efficient from the corner, but. Um, I, like, I understand. Okay, yeah, we got Otto Porter, Bielitsa, obviously Steph Curry. Steph only took eight of the, like, you, I saw 69 threes, and I'm like, oh, Steph must have taken, like, 15 of them. No. Jordan Poole led the way with 13 three-pointers attempted. So, I... Jordan Poole's going to get the shots up. That's... He will. If you know one thing about Jordan Poole, he will get shots up. He will. Uh, it's just that, that to me, was not in the flow of the offense and should not be the way that they play. And I don't think that, by the way, they will. Maybe it was just, hey, first preseason game. We're kind of garbage time. The threes are starting to fall in the third quarter, you know, garbage time in the fourth quarter, like whatever, like just what, who cares? Um, But from the get go, it was like jarring to me to see how many and how quickly they took these threes. I guess the flip side of that is outside of Steph and Andrew Wiggins, they don't really have anybody that gets to the rim, especially while James Wiseman is injured. So maybe the strategy is just, I don't know. Let's just take a bunch of threes. Um, Here's my prediction for you. Um, I think we are going to just continue to break three-point records. I don't think that's a, a very strong opinion. I don't think that's a hot take whatsoever. It's just the three-point records get broken every year. My prediction, though, is that I think we're going to have more players than ever attempting 10 or more threes per game. Last year, there were only three. Steph, Damian Lillard, and Buddy Heald. Last night, Sean, I mean, this is, this is again, a banana stat here. Jalen Brown took 12 threes. Um, Trey Murphy III, in his first NBA game, took 10 threes. Bogdan Bogdanovich took 9 in 23 minutes. Jordan Clarkson for Utah took 8 in 15 minutes. Um, I think that we're getting to a point now where Jordan Poole took 13. I think we're going to see more players than ever attempting 10 or more threes per game, and that's going to drive up individual scoring numbers. And I think we're going to get to a point where Steph and Damian Lillard, who are the two best three-point shooters in the league probably at this point, um, high-volume three-point shooters, they're probably going to be hovering at least around at least 15 per game. And I think that would be good. I mean, yeah, you want those two guys to take that many threes. I am, I have another prediction. I think we're going to get, and this is, this is a topic that I don't think has ever been discussed on sports radio or podcasts or in in writing. Are there too many threes? (laughs) Are three pointers ruining the NBA? I don't like threes. I don't like 69% of the offense being let's cross half court and chuck it now. And I'm not, dude, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. I didn't. No, but I, I kind of want to like last night. I didn't enjoy I enjoyed watching it because we got to see basketball like right. fine. But if this is what they're doing in January, I'm going to be like, all right, guys can like cool it and just like do something other than this. Like you could, you could, you know, mask offense and a dribble handoff or some sort of pistol action. But that's like fake offense. If you're just going to chuck it within the first three seconds of the shot clock, like 
I don't know, man. I just want to see some other stuff, I guess. I don't want to see the same thing every time down, even if the math bears it out. And we heard like Daryl Morey in Houston say, like, yeah, we're breaking barriers with this three-point shooting, but we're not even close to the limit. And I'm like, okay, well, I hope this is the limit because I'm 69% of your offense is being cross half court and chuck it. It's just not that fun to watch. I don't, it's just not. This stuff is all cyclical, though. I think it's going to come back around at some point. It's going to go kind of back the other way. We're starting to see more big men come into the league. Like yeah. some of the, you know, you know, I know Joel Embiid likes to shoot threes. He's not really a three-point shooter type of guy. Like there, there are, you know, bigs who are not, you know, primarily three-point shooters that are starting to, you know, gaining prominence in the league. I think, I think, I think this stuff is all going to come back around at some point. I think. Everybody talks about expand, expanding the three-point line. I don't even know if that's necessary, but what if we narrowed the post, right? And you just got guys closer without them having to, you know, incur those penalties and fouls down there where, and, and they could just be like Joel Embiid could just be like three feet away from the basket or two feet away from the basket and just make it easier for post guys and make that a more efficient shot, make the post up a more efficient shot. I don't know. Um, that said, I do want to see Steph shoot 23s a game. That would be fun. All right. Uh, thoughts on the Warriors overall, where they uh, rank, where they stack up in the Western Conference? I think they're about where they were last year in terms of like, I think they're, you know, when, from like the six seed to like play in range, I think that's kind of where I would slot them. I, you know, I, obviously it's going to, it's going to depend on where, on when Clay comes back and how good Clay looks. I mean, I had thought after the ACL that Clay was probably going to be fine, but an ACL and an Achilles in two, in, you know, in yeah. two years, like that's, that's even, you know, for somebody like Clay who isn't super dependent on his athleticism. Like, I think that's a lot to expect a guy to come back from and just be good right away. So it's going to take some time for him to kind of feel it back out and kind of get back into the offense. I think, I think they're going to be, a low playoff seed, but they're going to be, once they get to the playoffs, they're going to, I think just by virtue of being the Warriors, they're going to get a lot of the, are the Warriors the team nobody wants to play in the playoffs <laughs> buzz? Like, I think, I think that's kind of where they at. I don't think they're a contender. I think if they can feel Clay back out into the mix this year and he, you know, ends the season looking okay and looking like he's sort of back to normal, then next year, I think maybe they can make one more real run with this group. But I, I think this year is going to be kind of a, a bridge year or like a transition year for them. Yeah, because even when Clay comes back, it's probably going to take him a, at least a season to get back into whatever his 100% yeah. playing shape is. I'm with you. That's what I've been saying the whole time. I think the seed this year for the Warriors doesn't matter. Like when you miss the playoffs two years in a row, you, didn't get, you don't get to start talking about what seed we're going to be in the playoffs, right? I, even if you're the Warriors, even if you have Steph, like it's just so hard to make the playoffs, especially in the Western Conference. Um, just make the playoffs, just get in. That's, 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 you know, priority number one. And priority number two is don't rush Clay back. Make sure he's as healthy as possible. And then once you get into the playoffs, I mean, you mentioned all the, the, the sports radio talk of, hey, is, are the Warriors the team nobody wants to face? We were seeing that last year, and they didn't even make the playoffs. We were just talking about them in regards, like, in the play-in tournament, you know, and they obviously started, they finished the season strong. Steph made an MVP push and all that stuff, and everybody was like, do we want to even face them? That could be the case even more so if they have Clay Thompson looking good. So don't rush him back. This, this December 25th, Christmas Day debut for Clay Thompson is a load of crap. That report was not correct in my opinion i did not ever heard anything like that i think we're looking at the middle of january january 18th or something like that it's a date i have circled for clay um but i wouldn't i wouldn't mind if they 
postpone it until February. Like the priority should be getting him. Health. Everybody wants to watch. Clay. Who doesn't like watching Clay play basketball? But making making sure he's healthy instead of rushing him back is the most important thing. Um, all right, final thing for you, Sean. Then I'll let you get out get out of here. Does, does Portland make a big trade this season? I don't believe. So. Well, but what are we talking about as, as a big trade? I know there's a leading question on purpose. I'm <laughs> letting you take it wherever you want to go. I think the I think the Blazers' major moves have been made already. And that would be the coaching change, and then I guess to a lesser extent, bringing in Larry Nance Jr. I, home run swing, Larry Nance. I don't believe. I mean, if you're if you're if you're asking if what you're asking me is, do I think they're going to trade CJ McCollum at some point? I don't believe that they are. I think that this. I think Neil Olshay is convinced that just making the coaching change and you know get, getting rid of Terry Stotts, bringing in Chauncey Billups, that alone is going to be enough to. It's going to. I think they see that, or the organization and, and Neil Olshay in particular see that as kind of like a Mark Jackson to Steve Kerr level mm-hmm. uh, transformation. And you know whether he's right or not, we will see. But I I don't believe that they're going to make a big move. Do you think they'll make the playoffs? Yeah, I think okay. they're. I think they actually might have a better regular season. I think they're still a first round exit, but I think they might have a better regular season record just because the West is a little bit less top heavy than. In, it has been just because, you know, the Clippers are probably out of the mix with Kawhi probably missing the whole year. We don't know when Jamal Murray's going to come back for Denver. Like, I think I, I could see a world where the Blazers are like the fourth or fifth seed and then they still lose in the first round. But like, I do, I do think they're going to make the playoffs. Sean Hyken covers the NBA for Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter at Hyken, just his last name. Uh, Sean, thanks, man. This is fun. Good to talk to you, man.